Good morning, Berean family. I hope you all had a great week. I, I just so love coming here every Sunday morning, I got to tell you. Uh, I, I know I say that a lot, but it's true. I just really enjoy coming and, and worshiping with you. Uh, band, wherever you are, if you're in the back room. I just, how, much, how great is it that every Sunday we know we're going to be singing gospel truths? You know? Um, I know it does my heart good, and I'm sure for many of you as well. Uh, you might have noticed in the news this week, uh, there was a lottery. I think it's called, the, it, it's Mega Millions, right? This was a test. I wanted to see who's playing it. Um, and I'm hoping whoever was playing it, you drove through Illinois this week. And uh, uh, there was one winning ticket sold, and it was $1.36, I think, billion. Can you imagine that? The thing that struck me this week is how, in a frenzy, everyone got. And it struck me uh, for a couple different reasons. One, is 500 million so bad? <laughs> it's like, oh, well now that it's 1.36 billion, I'll think about playing, right? With little peddly 500 million, who needs that? Uh, so it struck me that way a little bit. But the thing that really kind of got me was all of the dreaming and things that people were talking about. You know, I heard conversations around, you know, what would you do with the money, if you got $1.36 billion, or probably like $2 million after taxes, right? What would you do with that money? And, and, and if we're honest, sometimes we like to go there mentally, right? Like I, I remember when I worked on the assembly line at General Motors, I had nothing to do but time to think. And, and whenever the lottery got big, and we never really played it, but whenever the lottery got big, uh, sometimes I would just start daydreaming. What would life be like? If I was a millionaire. And, and the truth is, it, we all kind of would like to be millionaires, uh, if we're honest. But here's another thing that struck me. How excited everybody gets about that prospect. You see, we in the church, we know something, or at least we should. No matter how much money you have, that will not give you joy or happiness. As a matter of fact, it's like false gold. You see, we think we're going to get rich and be happy and all of our worries are going to go away. All our concerns are going to be gone when in fact we just trade one set of problems for another set of problems. And it's not actually joy or happiness. We think it's going to be. Think about all the, the Hollywood stars. How many of them have completely lost their minds? I think part of it is they have climbed this pinnacle of wealth and success only to find it absolutely wanting and lacking. And then what is there? And then what is there? Our text in the Beatitudes, blessed is he who fills in the, fill in the blank, and we're talking about these things. That word blessed, happy is he who. You see, God, Jesus, in the Beatitudes, he turns what we believe that would give us happiness and joy in our lives on its head to explain to us what will actually satisfy us. Friends, if we went online and said, hey, we're going to leave $1 million under one of the seats this Sunday, this place would be absolutely packed. People, we didn't. I know some of you are like, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> this place would be absolutely packed. Packed because people would think 
finally that will solve so many of my problems, where the truth of the matter is, what we're going to give you today is far more valuable than the million dollars. And we find it in Christ alone. We find it in Christ alone, not in a lottery, not in all of the money, not in the best job that we could ever have, not with the most obedient children that that exist, although that would be kind of cool. We find it in Christ alone. The world, my friends, will leave you wanting. All of the treasures in the world will leave you wanting, and you will be lacking Find your satisfaction in Christ alone today. Just find your satisfaction. Finding lasting happiness instead of settling for worldly treasures. And you find it with a heavenly perspective as opposed to an earthly or worldly perspective. We're going to be in, again, Matthew chapter 5. And as we're going to do every, um, every one of these sermons in the Beatitudes, we're going to read through verses 2 through 12. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there now. Jesus had already begun his earthly ministry, but it's, it's still pretty much on the front end of things. He has gotten his disciples and he's gathered them together and he sits down to teach. And when he does, he says, it says, and he opened his mouth and taught them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven, for they, so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Let's pray. <clears throat> Dear Heavenly Father God, you are the source of our satisfaction of our joy, of our happiness. God, may we stop searching for those things in earthly treasures, in relationships, in our jobs, in our bank accounts. May we find our satisfaction fully on you so that these blessings that we read about could be said about all of us as we live a life truly fulfilled on earth as it is in heaven, may we find our satisfaction in you. God, I pray for our service today, but I pray, it struck me as we were singing this morning, how many millions of people around this globe are gathering together, are singing your praises, where your word is being preached. God, may your spirit move powerfully both here at Berean and in churches across the globe today that your children may take a step closer to you and those who don't know you may find new life and hope in you today God I pray that your spirit will speak in and through me today and that you help us to take that step closer to you 
We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Guys, have you ever been tasked with finding something from a pantry? Or, or you say to your wife, wife, where is my wallet or anything else? And your wife looks at you with probably a little bit less than respect and love and adoration and says, did you look in this place? And what do we say? Yes, I looked proudly. This has played itself out, I don't know, Kelly, three million times in the last 25 years of our marriage. I'm not going to say that it's her fault, but it probably is. You see, I put things, I put things purposely in places where I know I'll find them, only to have her cleaning and place them in places that she has no idea where they are. But anyway, she'll tell me, why don't you look, Dan? Let's say for the peanut butter. Why don't you look in the pantry for the peanut butter? Seems to me a good place for peanut butter to be. So I'll say, I've already looked in the pantry. And here's how it plays out when I, and probably most of you men, look for something in the pantry. <laughs> Not in there. <laughs> you know it's true. And wife says, did you look? And you say, I just looked. Did you see me? I opened the door and everything. She comes up in about, I don't know, an eighth of a second says, here's the peanut butter. It was right behind whatever else. Well, why'd you put it behind it? You knew I'd be looking for it. Again, this is your fault, not mine. She, of course, never sees it my way. When it comes to happiness, when it comes to joy, when it comes to satisfaction, I believe even us Christians are looking in the wrong place. We're looking in the wrong place for it. Our text today, blessed are those, happy are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What a promise that we have here. Happy are those who are looking, who are searching, who are hungering and thirsting for righteousness, for they will be satisfied. If you can't find happiness, Christian, you are looking in the wrong place. It's right there. It's right there. Romans 10, I'm sorry, 9.30 verses 10.4 says the following. What shall we say then? That Gentiles who did not pursue righteousness have attained it. That is righteousness that is by faith. But that Israel who pursued a law that would lead to righteousness did not succeed in reaching that law. Why? Underline this next bit. Because they did not pursue it by faith, but as if it were based on works. They have stumbled over the stumbling stone as it is written. Behold, I am laying in Zion a stone of stumbling, a rock of offense, and whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. Brothers, my heart's desire and prayer to God for them is that they may be saved. For I bear them witness that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge, for being ignorant of the righteousness of God and seeking to establish their own, they did not submit to God's righteousness. For Christ 
is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone who believes. The end of the law. It's like the pinnacle of the law there. Not the abolishment of. The embodiment of the law. Paul says the Gentiles attained righteousness through faith. Faith in whom? Faith in Jesus Christ our Lord. You see, the next thing that we find out about this hungering and thirsting for righteousness and and being satisfied is that while we have some work to do on our own, our work is to submit ourselves and position ourselves under the headship of Jesus Christ and watch what he does. You see, here's some other good news for you today. That righteousness doesn't depend all on you. As a matter of fact, if it did, we would never attain it. That's what the law was exposing. That we can't, that we won't attain it. But in Christ, in Christ, everything changes. You see, Christ has the power to change. As a matter of fact, one day, and by the way, I want to talk about righteousness as far as our standing before God. God the Father will see us, and he sees us as followers of Jesus Christ, as his sons and daughters because of the work of Jesus Christ. He will see us as he sees Jesus. But then there's this righteousness, that's our righteous standing before God, but what about righteousness in our life in the here and now? The Bible does say, as on earth as it is in heaven. Therefore, we should pursue heavenly things right now on earth and not wait to heaven to live righteously. So there's that kind of righteous too, where we're, we're, we're seeking to live our lives in a righteous matter on heaven as it is, or on earth as it is in heaven. Paul says the Gentiles, by the, way, this is, the text is found in Romans. Uh, uh, the book of Romans is this letter that Paul writes to the church in Rome. Uh, what had happened was the church, the early church, was made mostly of Jews, and they were gathering in synagogues in, in, in Rome. And then all of a sudden, uh, a lot of the Gentiles started coming to faith, and then the Jews got expelled from Rome. They got kicked out. Now a number of years go by, they're back to find their religious beliefs look a little different than when they left it. So Paul writes this, church, this letter to the church in Rome to kind of give some correction and some, some understanding and to help them understand that through Christ they have equal standing before God. And he helps them understand what is really important. If you haven't done a study on the book of Romans, I, I really highly recommend it. This is uh, uh, maybe one of the first New Testament books that really digs into uh, uh, what we, we could call racial reconciliation. The, the, the main point here, the star of the show, of course, is Christ. Because in him and through him, we can be united regardless of our diver- diversity and backgrounds. Uh, a free commercial, by the way, first of next year, I think in the end of January, we start a series on Romans. And I'm really excited about that. We'll be preaching through uh, this letter. So the Gentiles attain righteousness through faith. The Jews had pursued righteousness through the law. If I do this, this, and this, then I will become righteous. Who does that count on then? Us. You know, we see this and we know this, but we talk about it a lot. Why do we talk about it a lot? Because of our human nature, we tend to try to do things on our own. And we tend to look for uh, uh, just the directions, right? What do I need to do? 
well, I need to do this, that, and the other thing, and if I do this, that, and the other thing, then I will become righteous. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way. And you know what? The fact that it doesn't work that way gives us incredible amounts of freedom and liberty and joy because instead of worrying about the next thing that we have to do and the next uh, box on a list that we have to check, we say, God, we're just going to enjoy you together and let you do the work of righteousness in my heart and in my life. There is great freedom in that, friends. There is great freedom in that. The law, of course, was given to show that we couldn't find righteousness on our own. And it always demanded a dependency on God. Even in the Old Testament, the sacrifice system, it's there because God said, you ain't going to be able to follow this perfectly. You're going to fall down, so this is what you do when you do. Listen to Galatians 3, 10 through 14. For all who rely on works of the law are under a curse. For it is written, Cursed be everyone who does not abide by all things written in the book of law and do them. Now it is evident that no one is justified before God by the law. Did you get that? No one. For the righteous shall live by faith. But the law is not of faith. Rather, the one who does them shall live by them. Now listen to this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree, so that in Christ Jesus the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles, so that we might receive the promised spirit through faith. Friends, the key ingredient to attaining righteousness is faith. Faith in Christ. That's the key. That's the key. But it is important for us that we take heed to this blessing, this hungering and thirsting for righteousness. Yes, it is a work of the Holy Spirit that can happen by faith through the Spirit of God as he changes us and molds us into the image of Jesus. But there is a surrendering and submission that we must do, and we get there by having a desire for righteousness. We must desire righteousness says again, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. What do we hunger for more, church? Mega millions or righteousness? One is just emptiness, and one is full of happiness, joy, truth, love, and peace, eternal reward. Why do we so quickly fall for the schemes of the evil one and desire the things that won't do us any good? Where is our hurt, thirst and our hunger for righteousness? To hunger and thirst is to desperately want. There's a uh, gentleman, Most, uh, I think a lot of people know the story, Into the Wild, the story of uh, Chris McCandless. Now this guy was an adventurer, uh, kind of a loner, uh, he, he ended up ending, his life ended in the wilderness in Alaska. Uh, if you know this story, he, he found this bus out in the wilderness and he kind of lived in that. He was trapping rabbits and porcupines to live on and, and uh, little squirrels. The squirrels up there, by the way, are like, like rat size. They're not exactly like the big squirrels that we have here. So 
not a lot of food on them. You might think, well, in Alaska, there's a lot of moose, there's a lot of bear, there's a lot of caribou, those things to eat. Where he was at, not so much, and moose are kind of spread out, and it wouldn't be able to have a way to preserve it for that amount of meat. So uh, he, he was mostly eating small game and plants and stuff like that. At some point, he ran out of food. Now, there's some speculation uh, uh, as to what caused him uh, to, to have that happen. But whatever did happen, he ran out of food, and he starved to death. He starved to death. Has anybody here been hungry or thirsty before? And when I say hungry or thirsty, I don't mean I ate three and a half hours ago, and I'm starting to be hungry again. I mean two days, three days without eating anything. Four days, maybe. Maybe you've gone six hours, eight hours, ten hours a day without drinking anything. If you have, you know the sensation of hungering and thirsting. You see, after a period of time, you stop thinking about anything else but your hunger and your thirst. That is what is being said here. To hunger and thirst for righteousness. Not, I'd kind of like to have a little righteousness in my life. You see, this is what it looks like when, I'm going to pick on us today, Kelly. Well, Kelly and I, we have a Friday afternoon, we go on a date. And inevitably, we're going to go to get something to eat on a Friday afternoon. And the conversation will go something like, uh, what do you want to eat today? I don't know, what do you want? Right? You guys all have that same conversation too? I don't know, what do you want? And we'll, we'll, usually there's nothing, some great desire that we have, but we'll come on to, or we'll come up with, ah, I guess I'd kind of like to have such and such. I'm afraid that that's the way we look at righteousness as the church. I'd kind of like to have it in my life, but not enough to hunger and thirst after it and to pursue it. Guys, I'm giving you the direction to happiness in your life regardless of your circumstance. Jesus is giving that to us in the Beatitudes. There is no mystery here. Oh, man, we're, we're, we, we so, the world so desperately wants to be fulfilled. The world so desperately wants to be satisfied. The world so desperately wants to be happiness. And Jesus is saying, hey, this is the way. Sorry, in the front row. <laughs> this is the way. There's no mystery here. Surrender, find your joy and satisfaction in me. May your hunger and your thirst be after righteousness. And not after worldly treasure. And if you do, you will be satisfied. You will be fulfilled. You will have joy. You will have peace. You will have freedom. You will have liberty. You will have a promise of a better tomorrow. Stop settling, church, for the stuff that doesn't matter and start looking to Christ for your satisfaction. We keep going to the wrong things and the bible makes the path so clear let's stop and just do what he says and see what happens what are we hungry for church if we're in a survival situation all we think about is food and water friends we are in a survival situation but jesus has done it all and paid it all find your satisfaction and your hope in him we will, after all, 
be satisfied when we learn to have faith in Christ. We will be satisfied when we have our faith and learn to place our faith in Christ. Can I say this too, church? Placing your faith in Christ didn't happen in your third grade Sunday school class. It happened this morning. It might have happened both, actually. You see, we have this saving faith that our initial faith where we say, you know what, I'm realizing now that I can't do this on my own, that I'm a sinner, that I am broken, that I'll never be able to please God in and of myself. But I trust that God sent his son Jesus to die on the cross, that he rose from the grave victorious of both death and sin. And if I put my faith in him, the saving faith in him, I will be saved. I believe if you did that, if you did that, you are saved. But our faith needs to be renewed daily if we're going to live on earth as it is in heaven. You understand? If we're going to experience the fullness and the promises of God in our lives today, we don't just say this prayer in third grade or whenever it is we said it. Maybe one of you will say it today, and that would be awesome, and we'll say hallelujah, and we'll join with the angels in rejoicing after you have put your faith and hope in Jesus for the first time. I hope if you haven't, that today is that day. But church, I hope for all of us, today is also that day where we renew our faith in him, that we renew our trust in him, that we renew our hope in Jesus. It's not just our salvation, it's our living out our salvation this side of heaven. Not only do you need it, not only do I need it, the lost and dying world needs to see it in us. This is so important for us. Listen to Philippians 3, 8 and 9. Indeed, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Man, that's good. For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, I'm sorry, I may gain Christ and, um, and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Boy, is that wrap this up or what? Again, the key ingredient here is faith. Faith in Christ. It is His righteousness that we are to thirst and to hunger for. Romans 5.17 For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. This is why they call it the gospel, the good news, because we have made a great exchange. Our sinfulness for his righteousness. And he did all the work. Have you exchanged your sinfulness to Christ's righteousness yet? Maybe you're watching online and you're like, who is that loud yelling man in the front? Well, it doesn't matter. Here's what matters. Every single one of us was born with a sinful nature and that comes along with a curse. God sent his son Jesus to break that curse, to come and take on that curse. He died on our cross, he died our death, he took on our punishment so that we might be made in his righteousness and have a good standing before God the Father. 
You will never do it on your own. And neither will I. It is through Christ and Christ alone. We have made an impossible trade. Our sin for His righteousness. Are we seeking the things of heaven? Are we seeking Christ? Is our faith being made new and being renewed daily? Are we finding our hope? Are we placing our hope in things of this earth or things of God? Follower of Jesus who has studied the Bible, you already know the things of this earth will leave you wanting. But if we put a scale on this table, and on one side there are the times that we have placed our hope in the earthly treasures and, and things of this world, and the other side, the, the time that we have satisfied, been satisfied in Christ and looking to fulfill our hope through his righteousness, which side would be higher, which side would be lower? Put our faith and hope in Jesus and put on his righteousness. Because what Jesus has done, we can find our rest. We can find our hope. We can find our peace. We can find our righteousness in him and in him alone. And isn't that what we're all really looking for? Do you want a big bank account just so you could sit there in awe and stare at it and say, well, look how big that bank account is. No, you want to use that because you want security and stability in your life. You want the ability to go and buy and sell whatever it is you want to buy and sell without worry of what might happen. You want to have the biggest house and the biggest cars. We want to have the best view. We want to have the nicest things. Every single one of those things fades away and goes away. I've spent lots of time with people in their dying moments. And I've heard it said of other people who have spent lots of time with people in their dying moments. Never have I heard, Pastor, I'm so glad I was rich. Because in that moment, you realize it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter at all. Your kids are going to spend it all anyways. What matters is Christ. I've sat with people who have placed their hope and renewed their faith daily in Christ as they were getting ready to pass on and move into glory. And I can tell you, even in those moments, there is joy. There is expectation. There is even sometimes excitement. Isn't that what we want? That regardless of our dire circumstances, we can be fulfilled and satisfied? Church, I'm here to tell you, you can in Christ, in Christ alone. You absolutely can in Christ alone. I want to invite the band to come up as we wrap up today's message. We do have a choice. We do have some choice in this matter. Listen to 2 Timothy 2.22. So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, faith, love, and peace along with those who, along with those who call on the Lord from a pure heart. We pursue those things by pursuing Christ. And friends, it is about doing and depending that we do have a 
a, a step to take in this. Hosea 10.12, Sow for yourselves righteousness, reap steadfast love, break up your fallow ground, for it is the time to seek the Lord, that he might come and rain righteousness upon you. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, God, I pray that your spirit right now will break up this fallow ground. That we, your people, will seek you and that you may come and rain your righteousness upon us through your Son, Jesus Christ. Not only do we need it desperately, God, but our community desperately needs it. We often talk about wanting revival. I believe revival will come in my community when revival happens in my heart. God, may revival come in our hearts today. May we in a fresh way seek you. That our desire will be Christ and Christ alone. That we will enjoy you together as a body. And experience your love and your peace and your joy in ways that are fresh to us today. God, for those who are in this room or watching online that may not know you yet, reveal yourself to them today. With our heads down and our eyes closed, perhaps you're in this room and you recognize your neediness for the righteousness of Christ and you want to place your faith in him for the first time today, everybody's heads down or eyes closed. If that's you, I'm not going to call you to the stage. I'm just going to pray for you. I'm not going to say your name or anything. Just slip up your hand. If you're watching online and that's you, do me a favor. Just send us a message at, on, on the Facebook or on YouTube so that we can be praying for you. Again, heads down and eyes closed if you're in this room and you're a follower of Christ, but you admit you've been taken by the things of this world and you have placed your hope more in them than in the righteousness of Christ and you want to renew your faith today, would you just slip up your hand? Dear Heavenly Father, God, thank you for the hands. But God, thank you for the hearts. And thank you for your Holy Spirit to touch our hearts through your word. Help us to find our joy and our satisfaction by thirsting and hungering after your righteousness. God, your yoke is easy. Your burden is light. You have done the work. We just submit and surrender to you. Help us to do that today. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen.